Welcome back to The Bible Never Said That. My name is Shara Donahue, and I'm glad you're here today as we focus on a saying that is not in line with what the Bible teaches to be wisdom. However, the Bible does offer a cautionary tale for what happens when we believe this saying and submit to it. We're taking a look at love today and tackling the saying, love is blind. Oh, how tragic the many times individuals have let themselves ignore red flags in relationships by accepting love is blind as fact instead of foolery. Now, those who say it after a relationship crashes and burns have felt the sting of it. But too many people are explaining away the toxicity in their relationships with this saying. Biblically, we don't let ourselves live in the message of love is blind because we should instead be following through with 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. While all of these love is or love is not are important, I want to look carefully at two today. Love keeps no records of wrongs and love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. In these two facets of love, we see an antithesis lurking. It keeps no records of wrong, and it does not delight in evil. In order to not keep record of the wrong, or not to delight in the evil, one must first be able to distinguish between good and evil, and wrong and right. This is a skill that works like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it will become. Hebrews 5, 13 through 14, when using metaphor to discuss spiritual food, says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And Philippians 1, 9-10 clearly shows that in order to act godly this side of the fall, we must be able to discern between the two. As the scripture shows us, Paul's earnest prayer for the people of Philippi says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. If we walk into any type of love without discernment, we set ourselves up for catastrophe. Like I said, there is an example of this in the Bible, but what we are focusing on with this saying is that it is not an excuse to love foolishly. It's a good 
precursor to our upcoming series on half-truths. More on that in the coming weeks. But for now, what I want you to see is this example of love acting blindly is there as a warning, not as a way to live. Let's make this loud and clear before we jump in. Just because a character of the Bible does something doesn't mean it's a way to live. Yes, follow Jesus's example, but he's the only one who is perfect. Yes, it is okay to imitate people like Paul or Priscilla or other faithful believers living in their godly and righteous deeds, but they are not perfect and we do not have license to sin just because someone respected also committed that sin. That being said, there is no better person to show us the absolute disaster that can come from someone willing to love blindly than the judge Samson. This story clearly shows that even the strong can be blind to what is healthy and right. So Samson has a bit of a habit of drawing value from the women he desired and in enabling or ignoring completely their destructive behaviors. The story of Samson happens in Judges 13 through 16. It starts with an angel that appears to announce his birth and declare he should be a Nazarite. Samson grows and goes against his parents' wishes and tells his father that he wants a Philistine bride. The father says, can't you not find somebody here? And Samson says to his father, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. Then on his way to get his woman, he kills a lion with his bare hands. And then on his way to his wedding, eats some honey out of the lion's carcass, which is a no-no for a Nazarite. But he uses it to create this riddle that's given at the wedding party. Samson's new wife repeatedly asks him what the answer is so that she can tell the countryman who threatened her family if she didn't get the answer. He tells her, she tells them, his bride is given to his companion, he is ticked and starts messing with animals again by tying torches to the tails of 300 foxes that he caught. He then sets them on the Philistines and lights the town up. The Philistines then kill his wife and father-in-law, and then Samson slays a bunch of them with a donkey's jawbone, of all things. And then he leads Israel as a judge for 20 years. The end of his leadership approaches when he meets a Philistine woman named Delilah. The man was smitten. So let's pick up the story in Judges 16, verse 5. The rulers of the Philistines went to her, Delilah, and said, See if you can lure him, Samson, into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. This is not the first or the last time the love of money brings about a type of evil, but Delilah falls for it. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. I know we all want the freedom to be able to share our secrets with those who we love. But Samson seems a little weary here because he just lies to her. Verse 7, if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. 
Delilah tells the Philistine leaders, the Philistine leaders, do as she said. And verse 9, with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. He said, If anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. Now, we clearly see a pattern of betrayal in Delilah because the same thing happens. And Samson snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. But she doesn't waver in her pursuit of a secret. In verse 13, she says, All this time you have been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. He replied, If you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pen, I'll become as weak as any other men. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids off his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with the pin. Again, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and pulled up the pin and the loom with the fabric. And here, in verse 15, Samson's willingness to enable destructive behavior catches up with him. As Delilah said to him, how can you say, I love you? when you won't confide in me. This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Look, this combination of annoyance and lust led him to break. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison. Samson's willingness to enable destructive patterns and being blind to his love left the man literally blind. Anyone who has survived a toxic relationship can tell you stories about the things they let slide and chose not to see. Telling the lie to themselves, 
that the benefit outweighed the cost of the toxicity. They can also tell you of the pain it caused and may even still be causing. Yes, unhealthy patterns can be repented of. Hallelujah. And toxic relationships can heal. Whew. This should be obvious because we serve the God who can redeem all things, but we have to understand that we can only heal the things in the darkness by bringing them into the light. Ephesians 5, 11 through 16 encourages us to have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Your family, your faith, they're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up. It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung Hero, a for King and Country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. When the days are evil, we don't need to be allowing ourselves to let each other wallow in our filth and call it love. We cannot ignore destructive patterns. Leslie Vernick says in her book, The Emotionally Destructive Marriage, that when you put your foot down and say, I will not allow myself or the kids to be treated this way anymore, It's destructive to me, to them, and to our marriage. You are not going against God by speaking the truth in love. You are standing for goodness, for truth, and for the healing and restoration of your marriage. Yes, this quote is framed with a marriage relationship, but it can apply to any relationship. When we live with our relationships visible, we are not keeping records of wrongs or allowing evil to exist. In kindness, we persevere with patience in relationships illuminated by Christ's love, which is the source of restoration and renewal. We forgive sin, fight off sin, call out sin, but to be blind to it in the name of love is something we must not do. We are those cared for and saved by the God who is love, and he's also known by the name El Roy, 
the God who sees me. Now, this name for God is used in Genesis 16, 13, when Abram lets Sarai mistreat Hagar and Hagar runs off plagued with hopelessness. Kara Williams reflected on this passage and said, this is the only time that the name El Roy, the God who sees, is used in the Bible. But God's character trait of seeing or intimately knowing people is woven throughout scripture. How comforting would it be? How miraculous would it seem in a land of stone idols to have a personal encounter with the God who sees? How would it feel for a slave who was probably never seen, who was probably looked at with contempt, scorn, and shame, but never seen? How much Hagar must have longed to be seen, and how much do we long for the same thing? Alone in our homes, living through unprecedented world events, dealing with challenging children, struggling to pay bills, grieving the bitter disappointments, we wonder, like Hagar, does anyone know what I'm going through? Does anyone care? She continues, the answer to that is an unequivocal yes. El Roy sees me and he sees you. In fact, his gaze is fixed on you. God's seeing you is an extension of his great love for you. The peace that comes from knowing God sees all of us, even our filth, and still chose to send his son to die so that we would no longer be in the grip of sin, but in the grip of his everlasting love and glory is priceless. We are loved by the God who is love and who sees. If it is okay and acceptable for us to let love blind us to the weaknesses and failings of our object of admiration, we do not fully love. Or we end up in a relationship not based in reality. A true love sees clearly and loves still. So let's pray that we can be those who are not blinded by love, but become people who live our lives in the light, aware of the good and the bad and choosing to love. Father God, in a world that can often feel lonely, we sometimes feel unseen. Thank you that we can know for a fact that you see us and love us. Thank you for sending your son so that our destructive sins could be washed away and that we could seek your righteousness hidden in Christ. Help us to choose wisely who we enter into relationships with and to know how to love as you call us to love. Let us love with open eyes and open hearts, free from toxicity and seeking your glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me to talk about love. Such a delightful subject. And the resources, books, and articles referred to can be found in the show notes at lifeaudio.com slash podcast or on iTunes. And if you're over in the notes, we'd love if you would rate and review this podcast so others can find us. And until next time, 
May you seek the abundant life Jesus died to give and live in the truth that sets people free. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.